Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Ujicic, Head of Technology at Situation, and today I am joined by two amazing guests in the studio. Uh, first, we have Jordan Person, familiar to many of our listeners, our Director of New Business. Welcome back, Jordan. Thanks, Peter. Happy to be back. And we have Damien Bazadana, President and Founder of Situation. Welcome, Damien. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Jordan. Morning. Thanks. Thank you both for being here. So we... Uh, we wanted to sit down on the podcast today and talk about where we all just were as we're recording this. We all just came back yesterday uh, from South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, 2017. And uh, it was a great whirlwind of an experience. And we thought it might be fun to sit down and kind of share with you guys, our listeners, some of the topics that uh, stuck with us from the conference, some of the things that we thought resonated throughout the different talks that we heard, uh, kind of big picture themes and Things that are going to be kind of we're going to be mulling over as we move into the rest of this year and next year and how we might apply them into the work that we do here at Situation. So first of all, before we kind of jump into the ideas, what did you guys think uh, of the conference this year? Did you did you think it was uh, a, a good experience? I had a great experience. It was my first time there. I've heard of, obviously I've been asked to go. It, it falls around my birthday. So normally I do not like to spend my birthday traveling for work. With your employees? With my employees. No, I love my employees. <laughs> we, we did have um, that good seafood dinner that night. Yeah, we did. The night we of did. your birthday. We did. It was delicious. So that's been one of the – usually usually I'm traveling when the conference is. So this year I said I'm going to mix it up. I'll make it a point to go. I had a great time um, hanging out with you guys. That was my favorite part. So oh, thank you for being – It was a lot of fun. And Jordan, what did you think? I thought it was great. I thought – I really didn't know – it was my first time too and I really didn't know what to expect. But I – I really didn't realize how much just programming there would be. You know, really, you can fill your whole day, almost like 8 a.m. to like 2 a.m. with South by Southwest stuff, um, which was awesome. And there was, I really loved how the diversity of the content, like there was just so much stuff from tech to workplace to um, retail to you just everything was kind of covered and you could really fill your day with um, things that legitimately interest you. Yeah. I, go ahead, Damien. I was going to say, like, I, I, the, some people I talked to said, did you actually go to the panels? Because some people just go there to, like, meet clients yeah. or parties. Like, I, I don't know. I love the panels. I went to a million panels. That's kind yeah. of my favorite part, like, being able to go to, like, such a random sampling of stuff, which is great, like, from politics to marketing to technology. Um, I actually found myself gravitating towards non-work things oftentimes because I think those – and, and – there, it's all actually interconnected to what I do, but like I find the larger topics often more interesting than the, the tactical marketing conversations. Yeah, and I, I have to give a shout out. I, I this was my second time uh, going, and I it was 2013 was the first time that I went, and I remember kind of how how much stuff that there was, and that you really do moment to moment have uh, so many different options of the things that you can do. And I think I want to give a huge shout out to the organizers. I think they do an amazing job uh, down in Austin of kind of coordinating and flowing, uh, you know, controlling the flow of, of that many people uh, in that space at one time. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, we put on our own events and I can't imagine doing it at that scale. Uh, I think for the most part, obviously, there are things that, that make people grumpy. But for the most part, I think they do an amazing job. And the people are like, nice. Yeah. That's kind of incredible. You have, you have like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And like the service, I just was like very impressed yeah. consistently. Well, let, let's dive into to some of the things that we heard when we were there that uh, 
particularly stuck with us. Uh, I think we've each come to the table with with one idea that we wanted to talk about, and maybe we can riff off of that a little bit and uh, and and talk about why we think it's something that's going to be important. Damien, do you want to kick it off? I want to flip you? it around, Peter. I want you to go first this time. What? I oh, feel like the host switch. never the host never gets to go first. That's true. And I feel like let's mix it up. That's what we learned from South by Southwest. All right, anything is possible. <laughs> let's do it. I, I accept the challenge. Um, I, I did. There were. There were a couple of things that really stuck with me. I, I think the I, – I, if I had to give a, a name to the thing that really has, has me thinking uh, as we move forward, it's, it's really about this concept of uh, the humanities and, and the ability for people to engage with technology in a way that I think is, is slightly different than what we've been talking about for the last couple of years. Um, I, I had a chance to listen to the Mark Cuban keynote and and one of the the things that he said during uh, he said a lot of controversial things that's kind of his his character but um you know he he had said something about the fact that he he really if there were certain industries that i think have been promoted for a lot of years as you know the the things for people to be studying technology programming um and and you know he's really starting to see a change in that 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 where the next phase of evolution for technology is really going to be around the humanities that people you know as we move into uh, augmented uh, intelligence which is kind of the new way uh, people are thinking about artificial intelligence but really about how humans and technology work together that that the professions in the humanities are going to have a big part to play in that so examples would be you know, with all these language interfaces, uh, people speaking to things like Alexa or, or Google Home, you know, really understanding how human beings communicate in a in a verbal fashion, an oral fashion is going to be, play a big role in the success of those ventures moving forward. How do machines understand what people are saying? And I think the other the other half of that is, you know, for a long time, the, the idea of artificial intelligence has been like data from Star Trek. How are we going to create artificial intelligence that replaces a human being? And I think a lot of what I heard at the conference was, we're, that's not really the goal. There are, there are people that are kind of figuring out how to make machines that can pass as humans. But really where a lot of the interest is right now is, how do we create machines that can enhance the abilities of human beings? So instead of creating a chat bot that's going to replace your customer service person, how do you enable, how do you create machines that allow that human being to serve 10 times as many people? So it's really not about putting people out of work. It's about saying, how can they, you know, process, you know, 10 people at the same time and let's get a machine that's kind of getting some of the, the, repetitive work out of the way so that the stuff that human beings do really well is what we're enabling them to do. And I thought, I thought those were themes that were, were fascinating. I could probably go on for another half hour talking about it, but it, were those themes, things that you guys heard in the sessions that you attended or were there? Uh, no, I totally heard. I heard the same. I heard the, well, first artificial intelligence as a whole was a pretty massive conversation, right? I feel like it kept coming up and sort of from the same uh, boat. I listened to one about uh, ethics um, and a fair amount of the ethical questions that are going to arise with sort of this, the, obviously the rise of artificial intelligence and the, you know, they just gave a perfect example of like driverless cars, right? And there are a lot of, uh, what you'll want to just say, ethical questions that start to get asked in split second decisions that a car has to make. And who decides what the appropriate response is in some of those situations? So whether that's a car, you know, a, a child's coming across the street, and if the car slams on the brakes, the person in the front is probably going to really get injured. Um, or does the car keep going and run over the person in front of them? There's like 
these split-second decisions that we all have to make on a daily basis as humans. But once you begin to compartmentalize them into a choice that says, here's the choices that cars make, because driving is at all split-second, make tons of split-second decisions that are a matter of life and death. But once you do that, that it adds a whole range of ethical questions. Who decides what those questions are, right. what the answers to those questions are, and the judgments that get made. Um, and it's they're, they're big, big, big questions, which is which – is, I'm exciting we're having those conversations because the technology is there for artificial intelligence to do that. But the, the role of the human in this phase, in this next phase coming, is enormous. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's great. And so, many, so it, it opens – some of those uh, panels are some of my favorites because I just felt like it opens your mind in so many different ways and it adds – it puts a human spin on this – topic that is often seen as like robots are taking over the world. Right. Um, yeah. Which you enjoy. No, and I think even from an agency perspective, it's exciting to hear that we're not alone and kind of valuing the humanities and valuing that trend because, you know, Damien and I just came off another conversation separate from this. That's all about that. You know, that and I think that just to hear that, you know, from to have that reinforced from, you know, a broader perspective and particularly from a technology perspective. I think just like makes me feel good. Like, okay, we're, we're like thinking about this the right way. We're on the right track. Yeah, no, I, I agree as, as someone who went to a liberal arts school and, and has a degree in humanities, it, but has always felt that there was a, a way for technology and the humanities to coexist and actually amplify each other. It was rather reaffirming uh, in a good way. But it also goes back to, I think you talked about this in one of the past podcasts, the, the Steve Case kind of third wave thing. I think that one of the, the, trend lines that I noticed from the conference as a whole was, you know, we're getting to this place where these collaboration, the collaboration amongst multiple parties needs to come together for some meaningful things to happen. So if you were to rewind back five or 10 years ago, people could work in specific silos, like a lot, a fair amount of growth of like the social sphere of what's happened. It's kind of lived semi in silos, right? Mm-hmm. And what's happening is now is you need to be able to join. The, the, these worlds are going to start to collide uh, and it's got, and we're going to get to one plus one equals three. That I, to me, that was also one of the very interesting things that we were seeing a lot more of, yeah. of like how people are working together. To yeah, solve these I big sat problems. in the. I, I actually sat in in the Steve Case um, when he spoke uh, with Beth Comstock from GE, and he, he spoke to that exactly and talked about how you know Facebook can become Facebook on its own, and Google became Google you know on its own. But really, that that day has kind of passed, you know, maybe we're going to see some outliers who drift over. But really, we're in a time now where it becomes about, okay, how do these large organizations who who bring their own type of value, whether that is in reach, resource, dollars, whatever, and how do these, you know, smaller upstarts who, you know, bring a sense of nimbleness and really ideas, you know, how do those worlds connect? And that's going to be kind of what's driving this this next kind of age of kind of innovation. It makes the conversations also just far more interesting, right? Like at least, just as someone who sits in the audience and listening to these conversations, I find the topics have so much more depth when you're talking about trying to innovate with others. So mm-hmm. I, I just personally find it more interesting. You don't you generally sit in more strategic conversations when they're talking about these topics. Like how is government going to work side by side with uh, Uber or other things in relation to the other systems that are in place. Like those are fascinating conversations. It opens up labor questions. It opens up human rights questions. It opens up all these types of questions, which I think are just far more interesting to want to engage in versus when we have these tactical conversations about whatever that may be, like within a specific, so the growth of a particular social channel. Like it, it, for me personally, I've been doing this as long as I've been doing it. It, gets, it, was, getting a little, it was getting a little boring. 
Yeah. It was sort of living in the space, and these conversations are way bigger, um, and I think exciting. And I think for a lot of people, it has there's huge growth potential for new ideas to the table because it's yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think you know going back to the that that line that I, I stole from one of our, our presentations from the Steve Case interview that I heard on the podcast was you know if you want to go fast, you can go alone. But if you want to go far, you have to go together. So it's it's that concept of how do we sit down and talk with one another to figure out how we bring strengths to the table. And really, yeah, that that is the hard part. You can kind of innovate. And one could argue, and I think you were getting to this point, Jordan, that the innovation, especially in Silicon Valley, now we're seeing lots of companies that are just replicating the same features. You know, everybody's doing live video, everybody's doing video sharing. So it's now they're, they're, it's, it's really about how are we going to work together as opposed to that one great idea that's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien, what, were, what was the theme, one of the themes that you thought kind of stuck out uh, that we haven't touched on yet in the conversation that um, has really got your wheels turning from the conference? I think Jordan should go second. <laughs> Okay. Jordan, well, I just think we need to mix it up. That's all. I have I have an answer. I'm not dodging it, but I enjoy listening to other people because I feel like you will have a smarter answer than I will. But I want, and I'm not I'm not making this up. I have my answer. No, I know you'd like to hear. I want to hear Jordan because we haven't really talked. I want to know exactly what Jordan. One of the things that struck me was you know I sat in a lot of uh, panels on kind of workplace and diversity and inclusion, and there was one. uh, I actually I should have really done my homework and brought the woman's name who said this because what she was talking about was, you know, we're, there's a lot of, a lot of us are having these conversations about our, the culture that we're really trying to cultivate within our workplace and trying to build a more diverse workplace. But one of the, you know, one of the pitfalls that people can sometimes run into is that, you know, when we talk about culture, sometimes we can promote this idea of a, you know, I'm using air quotes, a like me workplace where, you know, you're, you're sitting in an interview and, and you, 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 maybe you like someone because they remind you of yourself and that ultimately, you know, if, if that becomes a pattern, you know, what you've got is, you know, an organization of a bunch of people who all think the same way and bring the same perspective. Uh, and, and that rather than thinking about, you know, oh, we should be hiring for a culture fit, really thinking about just turning that idea on its head and thinking about we're hiring for a cultural contribution, you know, and what is this person bringing to the table that we actually don't have represented in our culture right now and we really need it. Mm. And, and how how do we, how do we, how does that think about how we're building our teams and kind of building a pipeline of people where it's really about like, um, you know, what are the gaps that we feel like we need to fill or what are the perspectives that we think we need? Uh, because ultimately we're going to build the best team that way. It's just something really interesting that I know we think about a lot here and it was just a perspective that just hit home for me in terms of trying to reframe that conversation in an interesting way. Was it, was it kind of, cause I think one of the, I'm not sure. It was in the talk that you were referencing, but I, I feel like I heard reference the idea of composing teams where you you are assembling almost the most diverse group that you can think of to the point where it's you're not even sure that everybody on the group should be in that group, but but that when you compare that against a group that is assembled, you know, intentionally because you think you're bringing the, the strong the best strengths, if you compare the performance of those two groups, you actually see that the more diverse group. Uh, kind of has has brought different ideas to the table that the other group couldn't even conceive of because part of that group dynamic is 
you know, understanding and appreciating that difference and why it might be noisier in the beginning to understand how those gears mesh together, that ultimately there, there, there's the thought that the productivity from that kind of a group can actually exceed one that is crafted to, you know, intentionally have a lot of like-minded people on it. Is that the kinds of things that you, is that reference kind of what she was talking about or is that, am I thinking of something different? No, I, so I don't think that was the same talk, but I think that's certainly the same idea. I think what she was talking about was even from a larger perspective was just like when we're thinking about, you know, building a culture, it's not, it's not, it, it shouldn't be as prescriptive as sometimes we make it where it's kind of like, here's our culture. Do you check these boxes? But it's more, it, it's almost thinking about culture more as values. And it's like, okay, do we align on values? Cause if so, great, you know, but like, you know, from, from a culture perspective, like, are you bringing something to the mix that like we need and we don't have? And, and to me, like, that's the, that's the really interesting yeah. conversation. It's interesting. Cause that cause like just instant tension because people go to their comfort zones. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, that's a, yeah. She, she gave an example where she talked about how, you know, you, and actually I think this was someone else, else on the panel, um, who, who said, you know, it can be a dangerous place when you're in an interview and you're kind of thinking, oh, what I want to get stuck in an airport for three hours with this person. And like, <laughs> you know, the, the answer, not that the answer can't be yes, but really it's kind of like, it's a dangerous place to go where it's about, does this person make me feel comfortable? And the reality is the best person for the job, there might be a little bit of, of finding your way in terms of, you know, this, this person feels, you know, unlike me in some way. And therefore I'm going to have to make a stronger effort to connect with them. Uh, but it's going to have, you know, huge payoff in the end, both for, both for whatever the role is and they're going to be tasked with and beyond that for the organization as a whole. Yeah. Well, I think maybe, uh, you know, when I think about situations where I'm working on projects where people challenge me, then they help me to better think about my own assumptions. If you're in a room with somebody that necessarily just nods their head and agrees with everything you say, you can question whether or not they're actually listening to you. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas when you have to defend what your point of view is or what you're coming to the table with, it kind of uh, keeps everybody on their game. And, and, you know, I would imagine the end result is better. You know, sometimes through that conflict comes, comes the more interesting result. Yeah. All right. Damien. All right. My answer is I thought sustainability was an interesting topic that came up a bunch of times. And I don't even fully know what I mean by that. Other, there were some really clear examples. Like, for example, in the fashion space, um, I heard a, a bunch of different talks of, cons- of the discussion of how the, the clothes we wear, do we know where our clothes are from specifically? I'm wearing this sweater. Do I understand the, the decisions that were made, the people that have worked on it, where it came from, and, and really understanding like the, the full pipeline of supply to where I to where I am now in terms mm. of to what I'm wearing. And I think the idea of that I think is just an interesting one, right? And there's nothing new. It's been talked about for years and we have a long-standing history working with Columbia University and their environmental studies and sustainability program. So I'm well aware of the of the topic. But I think from an as an entrepreneur, I think it's an interesting tension point that is beginning to form. Um, that this idea of consumers are becoming more purpose driven right and and listen i think it, i'm also saying some of this inside a bubble of a bunch of you know tech people that's that you know gather in austin i understand that but in general i would say there's a larger shift towards consumers wanting to have a better understanding of what they're eating what they're wearing like the greater purpose to what's happening and as an entrepreneur it's a little bit tricky or some of the you can look at some of these business owners that were on the panel to say look for us to do this the right way the environmentally friendly way, the sound way, this used to cost $20 and now it costs $80. 
And there is just an inherent tension that exists right now, which is, has existed for a long time. Again, this is nothing new. But the difference, I suppose, is that consumers are beginning to expect it more, which is going to put more pressure on the entrepreneur, which inevitably, my hope is that will create more supply and more supply, excuse me, more demand. And more demand will essentially help often to it'll create increased supply. And all these things will come down to place where the, the labor cost to doing things right, the supply cost to doing things right, because there's enough scale, comes down. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the hope. But the tension you sit in right now is this world of, okay, so where, you know, so where do we live? Where do we live right now? And if you're, and I, and I think this is, it's hard for me to connect these dots, but I'll connect a few dots. I think what makes it slightly even Equally as interesting because one of the panels, for example, was Levi's. Mm-hmm. So Levi's sells Lord knows how many pieces of clothing. And as good as they might want to be and being environmentally conscious and going down that path, inevitably if they stand up and kind of going, hey, we're really good at this. We're, we're, we're very eco-friendly. Somewhere along that pipeline, they're failing, probably pretty miserably. And they're sensitive to go into the topic. And they've said this out loud because it is a dangerous path because all of a sudden you're not as good as you could be and that's a problem. So they kind of just avoid it, right? They don't go into it even though they're trying to make a difference. I believe, I don't know anything about Levi's. I just heard the guy talking. Even though they're trying to make a difference in how they do things, it is dangerous to talk about it. They perceive it as being dangerous because all it's going to do is outline all the things you're not doing right. And that is an interesting, very, very interesting place. And I feel like that's kind of – you can kind of point that to a lot of different directions. They talked about workplace stuff, right? And they talked about, for example, whether it's women's equality, take a topic, right? And you kind of go through these ranges where as organizations are trying to improve in those topics, they're making these steps, but they recognize they're probably not as good as they need to be. So they don't talk about the improvements that they're making because they're worried they're not good enough. That is an interesting space to be in. It's both great and both horrible and uh, scary, there's a lot of opportunity in it, and that to me is exciting. It's a long answer, but that 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 space as a whole came up a lot in topics. Well, and I I think we we touched upon this a little bit in uh, the last podcast where we talked about food. You know, there are technologies now that are coming to the. If you wanted to eat really really well and really really local, uh, it used to be like maybe you'd belong to your local food co-op, but you know the easier thing would be to go to the supermarket, the mega mart that maybe imported its most of its fruit from across the world. But in order to support your local organization, your choices used to be very limited. But I think now technology is really playing a role in helping to connect that local sustainability mm-hmm. with the choice that we all want. Um, and, and, you know, maybe and, and I think to your point, you know, ignoring whether or not your business, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're really challenged to, you know, pinch as many pennies as possible. You want to go with the cheapest, best vendors that are going to help you be, you know, give you the best shot at longevity. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily always mean going with the locally sourced option. It might mean, you know, because it's really a numbers game. But if you if you ignore that, you do so at your peril because at the you might somebody might come over later and say, well, you're not hiring. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, the the difference is, I, I, at least for now, first of all, there's a mindfulness of the consumer, which is just different, right? So yeah. there's more of a demand for it. So there's more of a pressure to act. That's part one. But part two, if you're running a company like that. Like I know no idea what it, t- it takes to run some of these organizations. But what I do know is if there, for example, there's a, a raise in the minimum wage and an increase in healthcare insurance and all these other costs, as the employer, like something's going to give somewhere. So the price is going to go up, uh, like something's going to give, whether it's executive costs go down, whatever that is. 
it's just a very tight puzzle. And I would imagine it's just very, very difficult. What's, so for example, like philosophically, what's more important? Do I lay off, if I can make all of my genes tomorrow eco-friendly, do I do that and lay off 25% of my staff? Like what's the right decision there? Right. And that's an oversimplified way. I'm sure there's common ground, but this is those gray areas on those pressures are just extraordinarily difficult. And it's existed from the beginning of time. This is nothing different. But I do think the the mindfulness of the consumer to do the right thing of expectation of brands, I think net net it's a great thing. I think it's a good thing it's gonna force everyone to really good places. What I hope that doesn't happen is that it just shuts down dialogue because there's right. another side that the business owner is inevitably facing and the shareholders and the investors and all those people that put the money up to make this thing possible and the employees. And, and it's very del- And so you need to have a conversation, right? You need to feel comfortable having that conversation. And you could see when they were in this room, you, you take workplace, you take environment, you take some of these like very socially driven conversations, you tiptoe entrepreneurs and business owners that they tiptoe around it. Even if they're trying to do the right thing, it's just, it's, it's very sensitive space. And that's, that isn't good. Well, and to tie it back to Jordan's conversation, Jordan's observation was, you know, maybe having those difficult conversations with people that you wouldn't normally have them with, you know, taking it out of the C-suite and saying, you know, being transparent with your organization and bringing people to the table who may have creative solutions that normally wouldn't be asked, how do we solve this? Yeah. You know, being finding ways to have that dialogue and you never know where the great inspiration or the great idea is going to come from. You may not be able to act on everything, but at least if you're opening it up and saying, you know, very plainly, hey, guys, this is the challenge that we're facing. These are the things that are important. You know, let, let's look in places we may not have looked before to find those creative solutions. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think yeah, another word that certainly wasn't just, you know, uttered time and time again at South by Southwest, but is everywhere, you know, for a long time, people talk about authenticity. But it's funny because I think sometimes you hear people talk about it and it's it's from this place of like how almost feels manufactured where it's like, how can we make ourselves authentic? And it's like, to me, and I could be totally oversimplifying it, but like authenticity is kind of about transparency, you know, and it's about like, are you just being honest? And I, uh, you know, I am, I will not pretend to know what it is like to run a company like Levi's or, you know, where these, you know, the idea of transparency is a really easy thing for someone like me to throw around for somebody like them. But there is an element. And I think this is what you're saying, Peter, where, you know, I think, I I definitely think it's something that we as, as a company are in an amazing place to be able to do, to like very transparently say like, Hey, this is something we're trying to figure out, you know, come along for this, on this ride with us and we're going to make mistakes and like you got to call us on it, but like we are actively looking for a solution, you know? And to me, like that's a powerful thing. And I think when you think about like consumer mindfulness and um, you know, even what, you know, there's a lot of millennial talk, like what, what do, you know, millennials want? Like, I think that is something that like a lot of people can get on board with, yeah. you know, and it's a simple, it's t- I'm totally oversimplifying, but the spirit of that, I think is something to, worth remembering. The head, I mean, one of the headwinds I think you face is though, like we live in a soundbite universe. Yeah. So it's hard to take complex issues and simplify and into a way in which people want to engage. So, so that is the challenge. That means there's like an art form of like brevity to right. kind of go, I need to be able to deliver to you empathy and like, so you, like, I need to learn all these things in this one statement so then we can continue the dialogue, which I believe once you get past the soundbite, the dialogue can actually continue. So, I, yeah. Well, I, I, I went to a real – one of the best uh, sessions that I went to was talking about uh, software development and the law and the kind of primary uh, – 
opinion of the speaker was that the law is very opaque. It is designed to be very confusing. And software uh, development can also be very opaque. But when you put them together, you can actually use software to help uh, not necessarily reduce the number of laws that are in place, but help to kind of annotate and explain to people in real English, you know, what are what are what is the gist of what this regulation is saying? And his his idea was that uh, through the combination of these two things that can be very opaque, you can help to break it down into ways that people can understand so that they can have that dialogue. And so that that's going to be a necessary component of of understanding how we move forward in, in collaborating with one another. Yeah. So, well, I, Jordan and Damien, thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm sure we could keep going for another hour, uh, but it was really great traveling with you guys. I had a blast. Um, again, Damien, happy belated birthday, but, uh, and thanks for the opportunity to have some great conversations and dialogues uh, down in Texas. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. Peter. Thank you. And to you, our listeners, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us at the podcast, please send them to podcast at situation.myc and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.